Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Tori Fields. She leads the development and implementation of programs and processes at Blue Shield of California. It is her personal story that will inspire you to live boldly. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. You made my 2017 year. I met you at SeaTac, and then I saw you a couple of weeks later at NWL Conference in December. And you're a person, you stand out and you illuminate a room. And I'm so grateful that you came into my life. And I'm so grateful you've taken the time out of your busy day to be on this podcast with me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I met you at the summit, SeaTac Summit in Washington, D.C. And I really didn't know your, you even had a personal story. And here you are on stage at Inwell telling it. And you totally blew me away. Um, but this speaking is not your full-time job. You actually do have a role at Blue Shield of, of California. And so I wanted to let the audience know a little bit about what you do on a daily basis to help people with serious illness. Um, and, and what is your role there? I am the Senior Manager of Advanced Illness and Palliative Care for all of Blue Shield of California, which includes um, also, our Medicaid plan, Care First Health plan. Um, and in my role, I oversee all of the um, de- strategic development of programs and policies that would improve the quality of life for um, people with serious illness and for their families. Wow. This is real personal to you when it comes to your job um, because you you have a personal experience with your own chronic illness. And I was so blown away when I heard it for the first time at Well, And I'm hoping you would like to share some of that story with our listeners today because it is freaking amazing. Sure. Um, when, I, um, when I was just starting out in my career uh, in 2005, I had just finished undergrad. Um, in San Diego at University of California, San Diego. I was uh, transitioning to the workforce um, and had applied to medical school in uh, Oregon. I was also newly married. So I was really creating my, the plan for my life. Um, what's in my future? What do I want to do? How do I want to make an impact in the world? Um, I had already had a couple of experiences with death, um, good death experiences and bad death experiences. And so I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life to um, actually suicide prevention and um, grief and bereavement services. Um, So I was going to go to medical school to learn a lot more about um, how I could impact uh, grief and bereavement and improve that. so it's interesting now that I work on the other side uh, of uh, of that spectrum where I'm helping to prepare people, helping to give access to people with serious illness, um, and uh, which is a little bit more, um, a little bit earlier than, than death. 
Um, but I had, I had experienced a lot of death at an early age. And so, um, I was really interested in that space. Um, I'd gotten into medical school. And so my husband and I were actually, uh, quitting our jobs and packing up to move to Oregon so like we could start our new life together. And, um, <laughs> I had quit my job and the day after I quit my job, I was packing up and I, um, got a phone call from my doctor, um, saying that the results of, uh, my colposcopy, so pap smear ultimately, uh, came back positive for cancer. Did that just rock your world? I mean, because you were, you were going to medical school to become a physician, right? Yeah, I was going to medical school. I was interested in a couple of paths, but I was really focused on, um, that intersection between behavioral health and physical health. Um, so psychiatry or, um, I was also looking strangely at gynecology. Um, and <laughs> because I had already been, ex- um, experiencing symptoms from, um, HPV for a number of years. And I was very curious about my body and how it worked. Um, I come from a fam, not from a family of physicians. Um, I don't really come from a family of professionals, uh, people who had gone to college before. So, um, I didn't know really what my, what my options were as a professional. Um, so I wanted to be a, I wanted to make an impact in the healthcare system. And really one of the only things I knew about was being a doctor. Um, and it rocked my world. I, I'm sitting there about to go to medical school and I find out that I have cancer and it was not lost on me mm. that I found out that I had cancer the day after I could do anything about it. Oh no. I, I had no health insurance and we were, we were broke kids right? starting out. So it, I also knew from working in the healthcare system that the healthcare is expensive, even if you have insurance. So there was no way for me to even fathom the experience I was about to go through. Um, the waiting game that I started to experience when I realized I had no access to treatment and I didn't even know how far along I was. Oh, wow. I didn't know what my stage was. Oh, and you, and you had, oh my gosh, this is, I, I don't even know what to say. I, you know, I, I come to the realization that I don't think healthcare should, I think it should be a human right for people to have healthcare. Um, and, and here you are a young, young person getting ready to go to medical school, no insurance. And you are, you get the big C and you're sitting there not knowing what to do and not even knowing what stage it is. Or were, were you frightened? I mean, what was going through your mind? I am a pretty pragmatic person. Um, I would say that um, um, I am not outwardly emotional the majority of the time. And so what I did was I sat there and just thought about what needed to happen. I didn't actually take in any of the information about having cancer um, because I needed to figure out what to do with the information. Um, And so... I wasn't frightened 
until I found out that I didn't qualify for um, the breast and cervical cancer program. Um, and that breast and cervical cancer program is, um, it's a federally funded program that is uh, funds that go to the state for people who are in a situation like I was. So somebody who can't afford um, screening or treatment, it's a public health service. And um, I had actually set up one of those breast and cervical cancer programs um, in San Diego where I, I was starting out that journey. So I knew that it was available to me in Oregon. And, and so I didn't panic when I got this information. I knew that there was treatment available for people like me who didn't have insurance. And I was just going to plan to access that free service. Um, and when I got there uh, to the, the free day for the breast and cervical cancer program, um, I found out that um, in Oregon, <laughs> the way that they um, sort of ration how people get that service, it, treatment is expensive. Um, is that you have to, in order to qualify, you had to um, be diagnosed initially um, by one of their providers. So you had to be diagnosed when you didn't have insurance. And so because I was diagnosed when I had insurance, I didn't qualify for the treatment. Oh, my God. Um, and that's when I panicked. I didn't actually have a, a solution for that. And and it's do you find it interesting that you were in that spot at that one time and what you do right now as a job? <laughs> I mean, um, I'll say that I'm overly obsessed with health. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? I mean, how did you go from heading to medical school? Now you have a diagnosis, you have no insurance, you're not qualifying for, for, for assistance. Um, what in the world did you do? I looked for the first government job that I could find. And the reason I say government job is that um, with, with government jobs, federal government jobs, you get health insurance on day one of employment. And, um, and I knew that because my, my stepdad is, is a was a government employee, is a retired government employee. And so um, I, I knew that that was an, I, I just needed to get a job for the federal government so that I could get coverage so I, I did that, um, and I started setting up the appointments for me to get um, uh, diagnosed again and staged, um, and I, I flipped into the practical role of how do I access care, um, and, and there were a lot of hoops that I had to jump through, but I knew what hoops I needed to jump through. Um, I am a re very resourceful person. I think that has a, a lot to do with um, me growing up somewhat poor um, to a single mother. And um, I, I learned a lot about um, the, the mechanisms of access in this country. So you have to have a job in order to have health insurance. You have to have health insurance in order to get care if you're really sick, you really need to have health insurance to access treatment. Um, and so I just sort of laid out the process, the building blocks of how I would get through the access issues. Um, and 
and it's funny because I do this now for other people, um, in my work, knowing that, Mm -hmm. knowing that I, I really am blessed to be a resourceful person and not everybody is because there, I mean, right. I mean, I mean, this could have been a whole nother scenario for you if you weren't that resourceful person. I mean, so tell me, you you got a job, you started treatment. Um, How are you today? So I was first diagnosed with cervical cancer. Um, It was stage two uh, in 2005. Um, I went through seven surgeries in a three-year period um, where they were removed my cervix and any of the, um, the, the areas that were affected, mostly my um, uter- parts of my uterus and my um, vaginal area. And, um, and I actually lived a very free and clear life um, without cancer after that. So from 2006 to 2009, I went through treatment. And, um, and then in 2015, I was, um, diagnosed with recurrent, uh, cervical cancer. It had, um, come back as stage three and, um, and I went through that process again. Um, that time I needed radiation and chemotherapy. Uh, and then I, I needed surgery after that. Um, and my treatment um, then com- concluded in uh, active treatment concluded in September of um, of 2015. So um, how am I now? I am cancer free. I am in recovery. Uh, I wish I could say that I'm more than 10 years out, um, but there there was that recurrence, which was terrifying, and uh, it really woke me up to understanding a lot better um, that the system, even if you're trying to change it, doesn't readily change. Um, and, and I think I learned, I definitely learned more about myself in the second experience, um, more about my purpose and what drives me. Um, and and now now being two years out, my hair is starting to grow back finally. Um, and I'm starting to understand um, now the post the post cancer life. Um, that's only been in the last I would say three or four months that I have felt like I'm coming back to myself. Oh wow. That that is a long journey. Yeah, you mentioned um, before we we started talking on on this podcast that cancer was the best thing that ever happened to you. And I, why do you feel that way? I thought that I knew what my life was going to look like. Um, I had a dream. I was on a path. I was going to be a physician. I was. I felt like I knew as a pretentious. 20 year old I thought that I knew uh, <laughs> I don't what, think you're what, ever, what I don't think you could ever be pretentious <laughs> <laughs> well I, oh, I no. thought that I knew what I was supposed to do with my life and cancer the first time 
refined that for me. It took away some of my options and gave me new ones. It gave me a sense of purpose. Um, I fell deeply, deeply in love with policy and where policy goes wrong. Um, and I really fell in love with helping people, helping legislators, policymakers, community organizations, um, either implement policies that had already been passed or revise um, a policy based on uh, experience. So really translating evidence into legislation so that it works out better for people. I think, I mean, that is amazing, though. How many people, I mean, people need to know that, that you, that people like you are are dedicated because of your personal experience and what the loopholes were and what you had to go to. And you're now fighting and creating new things to push policy through to never let someone else have, have lack of access to the care they need. I think that is an extraordinary journey that you have gone on. And it's, it's just, it, it's, I don't, I mean, how do you go from a cancer patient in all of that to, to now creating policies, especially you're doing a lot around palliative care when it comes to your regular job and palliative care initiatives and how the, you know, benefiting it to designed, you know, with inclusive care and patient input. I mean, it's just an amazing journey. Thank you. What, what cancer taught me was that I'm not alone. Um, I, when I, when I was first diagnosed, um, I was siphoned off, you know, siloed from other people who had cancer. And so I had actually just never, um, I had never met another person with cervical cancer until after I finished treatment. And I was, I felt very alone. Um, I was depressed. I didn't know what my life was supposed to look like afterward. I also had never met somebody who had survived cancer. So it was um, a very isolating experience for me. Um, and what what that did for me was it, it, it got me sad, but it also got me angry. Um, and I had felt failed by the healthcare system, but also I had felt failed by this lack of access. Um, and I wanted to figure out how other people didn't feel so failed by the system. Um, and so I, I actually went and um, researched who the person was who was the expert on this bill, like how you're implementing breast and cervical cancer programs. Um, I found that oncologist who was the subject matter expert, and um, I told her my story. And we went and championed the change of that bill so that it would include individuals who were diagnosed previously um, outside of a program. And in the process of doing that, in, of talking to her, of trying to um, work through this, um, I found out that there were other people who had been failed in a similar way. And that, that didn't, it not only gave me a voice, but it gave a community of women with uh, young women with gynecologic cancers a voice um, that they had not been able to have before. 
And I was so energized by this experience and, and really hopeful about how people and their stories and, um, and their voices can, can really make change in a larger system. Um, and, and it was something where I never thought that I was going to build a community or a coalition. Um, but it was the thing that needed to happen. Um, and, and I like connecting with people. I like finding out what other people are doing. Um, and I really like learning from people. Um, so, you know, when I'm looking at policy or when I'm looking at building, um, uh, financial models for palliative care, for an insurance company, what really drives me is an understanding that I'm not alone, um, that there are champions everywhere you look, uh, and we just have to figure out how to give them a voice and a, and a concerted voice. Well, you, you know, this whole telling your personal story is new to you. Um, what, what was it like to stand at Inwell and not talk, the, you know, Tory Fields from, you know, Blue Shield, but Tory Fields, the person and your personal story, what was that like for you? Um, I, I, it was very much out of my comfort zone. I'm really good at presenting about financial models for home-based palliative care or insurance coverage for palliative care. I'm, I'm really good at talking about the work that I get to do. I feel very fortunate to do it. Um, and so when um, Shoshana reached out and asked me to tell my personal story, I was somewhat hesitant. Um, and I actually thought that I was going to be able to get around it by saying my personal story and then transitioning really quickly into the work that I do. Um, <laughs> so right. I'm, just, I'm just an example of why I do the work that I do and um, not linger on, on me. Uh, I'm not used to the spotlight and I'm definitely not used to talking about my experience. I, I do often hesitate to talk about it too, um, because I had gynecologic cancer and because I'm not, I'm not dying. Um, I look at the people who are, um, empowered patients or e-patients and I respect them so much that I actually never thought that I was one of them. Um, I definitely had that, have had that um, survivor guilt, uh, problem. And so it was terrifying for me to think that I needed to get on stage and only talk about my experience with cancer. Um, I look in the mirror every day and I am reminded that I had cancer. Um, my body is different. The way that I uh, experience my body is different now that I have had cancer and definitely now that I have had cancer twice, it's much more visible to me that I have had cancer. And I never thought that that was a relevant part of my work or the way that I do business. 
Um, what Endwell taught me is that it is the most relevant part of my work and the way that I do business. Absolutely. And I will say I was so happy to be in that audience and hearing your story and it it blew me away. And I think there were several times that I teared up, but you were just so brave. And it was such an intimate moment with the speakers um, all day long, but yours stood out to me. And it, it, it just inspired me. It really did. And especially knowing what you do, it just was a, a really interesting story that because not a lot of people knew what you went through or, you know, the personal story of why you're doing what you're doing. And I just thought it was really powerful. One of the most powerful speeches uh, or presentations at Inwell 2017. Um, it was amazing. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to be able to have that platform. And I, I mean, I credit Shoshana so much for really pushing me out of my comfort zone to to share that story. To be honest, I think that probably to, for me, the, the biggest life that changed was mine. I had struggled with talking about my personal story and getting people's reactions to it just in my personal life. And the overwhelming gratitude that that people had towards me talking about this was so unexpected for me. I I never thought that people were going to be touched by something that I see as so ordinary. Well, I, and I, that's the crazy thing is, I mean, you're a human being, you're a person, but I mean, the way you tell it, I, I feel like sometimes the ordinary is extraordinary. The strength that you don't think you have, and then you had it and you move through it. It it was very powerful. And, and you know, we're, we're talking about Inwell, a, a conference that Shoshana Ungerleiter uh, put on last year, sold out. And Tori Fills was one of the presenters there. And, and, you know, it was so successful that they're doing it again this year, 2018. And we'll go ahead and throw a plug out to Inwell Conference. Um, hopefully it's not sold out. Um, and if it's, if it's not, then you should get your tickets uh, pretty quickly because it will sell out again this year. And we're looking forward to learning, you know, the many new speakers that we see this year. But uh, I, you know, being brave to tell a personal story, um, I think it all comes down in medicine about the story. And I think as a storyteller, that's what I love about our, our, medicine is is that every person comes with their own story and what you do is is you get insurance for people and benefits and make sure it's is available for them and here you were um, going through cancer and having trouble getting access for yourself and I think that makes what you do not a job but a daggum mission statement um and I, I and I applaud you for having being brave enough to share that story because I'm sure everyone, some people, some people out there are afraid to say or speak their story or or speak their truth. Um, and I believe you, you can change that and, and give people the, the encouragement, um, and empowerment to, to speak, speak your story. And, um, and I, I do believe you did that at Inwell 2017, and it was a, an amazing ex- experience to be there to see that happen. And I was very, very moved and touched. Um, and I, I'm just moved that you know to call you a friend and to be in your life and 
and just to know you on a personal level. You're just an amazing human being. And uh, I know you're busy and I, I you, you've taken the time out of your day to, to spend a few minutes with us on Death by Design podcast. And, and I encourage anyone out there, if if you don't know Tori Fields, you need to find her on social media and get to know her. Book her as a speaker because she will move um, and inspire your staff. Um, if you have a conference about serious illnesses, she's a great public speaker. And and Tori, I just thank you for being you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. And um, I am, you know, a longtime listener of this podcast, so it's very. Um, it's it's very exciting to be here and be able to to share with you. Um, and you know, one thing that I I would like to share is uh, I was very hesitant to join um, an insurance company myself. Um, and I think that there's a big perception about uh, in insurance companies in general that um, they're cold. And what I have learned um, is. By telling my story, I have found so many other people inside of my company um, and other companies I've worked for uh, who also have a very powerful story. And they want to change the system just as much um, as the system needs to be changed. Um, And so the personal really is political here. the personal stories add up and you can find them everywhere. Um, and it's not an us versus them mentality that we need to take. It's a, it's an us mentality that we need to take where we, we aren't just patients. We are people and we bring our experiences into everyday life. And I am so happy that there are, um, these situations, um, where you're actually giving a voice to story and a platform to help people understand that that they can make a difference wherever they are in whatever they do. Um, we all have a, a role to play in, in improving healthcare and in improving the lives of people with serious illness. Well, I think you need to take over my podcast because that was really well said. <laughs> You need to create a podcast because you are so good. Um, I, I again, thank you for your time and and you're right. That's a great, great point to end on. It is not about we versus they. It's about us all together making small differences and improving health care for every single person in the United States and even worldwide. Um, so Tori, Thank you for your time. And I can't wait until our paths cross again. Well, let's just make it happen. Uh, Totally. (laughs) I think you need to come to Kentucky. Oh, I'm in. (laughs) Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, I do look forward to our next meeting. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.